breaking news. This is committed to crime. Hey guys, welcome to our first episode of Committed to Crime. I'm your host, Rachel Farmer. And I am her co-host, Chris Farmer. So this is a podcast where we share uh, true crime updates and closed cases. And Chris, are you like super into true crime? Absolutely not. Do you like listening to me talk about true crime? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. All right. So I'm going to share with you um, a case and yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. So do you remember a few days ago I mentioned to you about Mm -hmm. a guy who recently got off um, out of a life sentence? I believe you had mentioned something in that nature, yeah. Okay. So, um, on August 27th, so just about a week ago, Robert Dubois walked free after 37 years in prison after being wrongly convicted for the rape and murder of Barbara Grimes. Jeez, 37 years is so long. It is a long time. (laughs) He's got a fancy last name, though. Dubois, I know. Dubois. Dubois. Say it with the French accent. Dubois. Okay, sure. In August of 1983, 19-year-old Barbara Grimms was walking home from her job at a local restaurant in Tampa. The next morning, uh, August 19th, her body was found outside a dentist's office by Gardner. It was clear she was attacked and beaten, and after examination, they also recognized a bite mark on her chin. In trial, the medical examiner testified that she had two blows to the head inflicted by a blunt instrument leading to her death. The same medical examiner also thought the bite mark had occurred around the time of death. In addition, the examiner also noted semen was found, indicating sex in up to 72 hours before death. I've heard of kinky, but I've never heard of biting somebody's (laughs) chin during sex. Oh my gosh. But like, well, it's an attack. Okay, well, that makes sense. But the other thing to me is, I'm gonna say this. This is a little impressive that they actually went to the dentist because not a lot of people go to the dentist consistently. She was walking home. But what I'm saying, think about it. How many people do you know consistently go to the dentist? She was walking home past the dentist. Oh, that's just inconvenient. To narrow down possible offenders. Okay, yes. Could you imagine going in to get like your cat, like a root canal, and then that morning there's just cops in front of your dentistry, and they're just like, "What happened? I found a body." Okay, well I'm gonna go home now. <laughs> it would be scary. It'd be sketchy. To narrow down possible offenders, the police turned to trying to find a match to the bite mark on Barbara's chin. So the police took a number of teeth impressions, including Robert Dubois, um, who was 18 at the time. So have you heard of, have you ever heard of them using like bite marks to convict someone like comparing bite marks to someone's teeth? Not not relatively often. I've heard it every now and then, but it's like just one of those random things where they take in it like teeth molds and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Can you guess why like you haven't heard of it a lot? Not a lot of people are biting people when they oh. kill them. <laughs> I mean, do you think it's like reliable to compare someone's like teeth to like a picture of teeth? I don't think that, that doesn't sound reliable to me. I mean, the other thing you got to take into account too, like, can you, how, how often are those people actually brushing and flossing? So like like all their gunks in the impression, right? Like they could have just had some leftover Doritos in there and you just don't (laughs) know. Uh, so the wax impressions were sent to a dentist and I'm going to say his name wrong. Richard Suviron. What's up with all these fancy names? I don't know. Dubois. Dubois. 
Suva iron. It's oh. spelt like the first half is like souvenir and the second half is like iron. So Suva iron. Who compared them to a photo of the bite mark. So he's taking the impressions and comparing them to photos of the bite mark. So just as like a side note, this this dentist, Richard Suva iron, also testified about bite marks in the trial of Ted Bundy. It seems just like a long time period to just be studying bite marks. Well, he's a dentist. So Suviron determined that Robert was a match. So the police then obtained a search warrant, granting them the authority to obtain a more lasting impression of Robert's teeth. Though they had the search warrant, Robert complied. Um, and after examining the new impression, Suviron confirmed that he was like for sure the match. So on October 22nd, um, so now we're like a, a month out. Mm-hmm. On October 22nd, uh, Robert was brought in for questioning at 2 a.m. And then he was arrested by about 5 a.m. And uh, he was charged with the, with murder and sexual battery of Barbara Grimm's. It was noted that while he was being arrested, he was kicking and screaming, uh, to which he was restrained by ropes, handcuffed, and sedated with a tranquilizer. Jesus. After willingly submitting to a dental examination, Robert was quoted telling the police, quote, I want to do it and get it over with. I'll prove to you I did not bite that girl. So while the Hillsborough County Jail, um, or sorry, while in Hillsborough County Jail, Robert spent some time with a man named Claude Butler, who was facing trial. Are you going to say fancy name? Fancy name. Claude. <laughs> Claude. <laughs> Claude Butler, who was facing trial with the possibility of multiple life sentences for kidnapping, armed robbery, and battery on a law enforcement officer. So, like, upstanding citizen right there. Just, yeah, I bet his credit score is so high. Probably, yeah. He probably owns, like... Millionaire. Probably owns, like, a beach house in, like, Indiana. Yeah. So, Claude, um... Claude claimed that Robert confided in him that he and two other men had killed Grimm's due to a robbery gone wrong. Um, So Claude's story basically was that Robert, his brother, and a friend of theirs tried to rob Barbara, uh, and she recognized the friend. So in response, they abducted her, and then later he raped her. And um, while he was raping her, his friend and brother hit her in the head with wooden boards. There's just wooden boards lying around? I don't know. It was found after Claude cooperated with the police. So if you recall, Claude was serving, um, he was, he was potentially, uh, he could potentially receive five. Oh, sorry. I'm jumping ahead. It was found after Claude cooperated with the police, he received a five year sentence. Whereas before they were looking at multiple life sentences. So multiple down to five years? Down to five. Then after the trial was over, prosecutors asked the judge to release him immediately and then he was just free after 16 months for providing this. So the two other men in Claude's story were also never charged. Only Robert was. See, that doesn't make sense. Don't they typically do like with these You would think they would like go after all of them because they all... If, so if, if Claude's story was true and he's saying that his friend and uh, his brother hit Barbara over the head with the the wood, they technically, and, and the examiner determined that her death was because of blow, two like, blows to the head, right. then wouldn't you assume they would be charged with her murder and wouldn't not... Wouldn't they get the, what is that charge, accessory to murder? Well, they are the ones that committing it, so wouldn't Robert be the accessory? Since he was raping while the allegedly raping her while the other two were yeah i guess i guess you could take it either way 
Um, so let's fast forward to the trial where a jury convicted Robert of first degree murder and attempted sexual battery recommending life imprisonment. Uh, the conviction was due to two major things, the bite mark evidence and the testimony from Claude, um, who was that jailhouse informant, which in present day, both, um, well, not both, but the bite mark, evi bite mark evidence is widely discredited as scientific identification. Um, and jailhouse informants are regarded as a strategy regularly misused uh, by police and prosecutors, etc. Uh, so while the jury recommended the life sentence, Circuit Judge Harry Lee Coe III overrode the jury and sentenced him to death in 1985. Three years later, 1988, the Florida Supreme Court determined that the jury's sentencing was appropriate for someone who, quote, was not accused of being the actual killer. Um, unquote, and ordered the judge to return the sentence to life in prison. At the time, the prosecutor was um, someone named Mark Ober, uh, and then in 2016, uh, Andrew Warren became the prosecutor. Uh, and so uh, in, 20, in late 2018, Andrew Warren started something called the Conviction Review Unit, uh, which, quote, works to identify, investigate, and remedy wrongful convictions from the past. Sounds like a good tune. Yeah. So um, in comes something called the Innocence Project. Have you ever heard of them? Nope. So they also help um, help people, I guess, prove wrongful convictions and uh, free them. So, i.e. Innocence. Innocence Project. Yeah, but I feel like that's got to be taken with a grain of salt. Because, you know, everybody who goes to jail will be like, I didn't do it. And then they confess and be like, yeah, I stabbed her seven times. And you're well, they, like, like do a review and everything. Like, they have to apply and then they, they will actually investigate the case and see if it's... Right. I guess my only, like, my only hang-up is I remember you telling me that they did stuff with, like, skin under criminals' fingernails sometimes. And, like, with the rape, couldn't they have just tested, like, the skin that's caught underneath the fingernails? Good question. Like, that to me is like the big brain play, and they're just like, yeah, we're just going to look for teeth. So, I'm getting there. Are you oh, ready? okay. I jumped ahead. <laughs> um, so, in 2018 as well, the Innocence Project took on Robert's case and submitted it to the, Hill to the Hillsborough Conviction Review Unit in September 2019. Uh, after doing a deep... And, oh, so, and here you go. So, they submitted the review... Um, after doing a deep dive into Claude, the jailhouse informant. Um, Susan Friedman, who was the one who handled Robert's case from the Innocent Project, also worked with someone named Seth Miller, um, who was from the Innocence Project of Florida. Something to note as we go into this is that in 2006, Robert filed a motion for DNA testing and was told that the evidence was destroyed in 1990. Then in early August 2020, so last month, Mm -hmm. Teresa Hall, um, a conviction review unit attorney, discovered that the rape kit from 1983, or sorry, discovered the rape kit from mm -hmm. 1983 in a medical examiner's office. So they thought it was destroyed in 1990, told Robert it was, and then this attorney just so happens to find it. Yeah, that sounds like it's just fishy to me that... How long do they hold on to records and stuff like that for, though? I have another answer for you. Oh, cool. Peak okay. my interest. So hold on to that question. Okay. 
So um, in this rape kit, there were samples uh, that were still intact and not used in the trial. Uh, so they were then extracted and tested. Though they were not used in the trial, it's also important to note, though, at the time, which was the, the crime was committed in 1983, right. um, forensic DNA testing was not advanced enough to be used for prosecution. Like it was still in its infancy, pretty much. Yeah. Well, CSI is a lie then, because it's been going on forever. <laughs> so through the testing of the DNA, um, Robert was then removed as a possible attacker. Uh, so Sh Susan, who was, if you remember, handling Robert's case through the Innocent Project, mm -hmm. uh, she shared with Robert, who's now 55, um, wow. she shared that he was overjoyed. And her quote was, he told me it was like waking up from a nightmare. Remember, he was on death row at one point. Um, and then Andrew Warren, the prosecutor, also commented, and this was his quote, For 37 years, we had an innocent man locked up for a crime that he did not commit, while the real perpetrator had was never held accountable for this horrific crime. I apologize to Mr. Dubois on behalf of the entire criminal justice system. And then he has also noted that he has apologized to the family and that the family refuses to, to comment at this time. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. So uh, the DNA, though, did match two other people. Oh. One who is now a person of interest. Uh, one was classified as a major contributor and the other as a minor contributor. Um, Warren or Andrew Warren said the investigation is continuing, looking at the person of interest, and he said the person is not a threat to the public, but declined to, to speak further. I mean, the rape kit says otherwise. <laughs> well, so the there's... Public. Theories. So there's a theory that he may already be in jail for something else. How can your person of interest already be in jail? Like if he if he was the person of interest in '83 and then committed a different crime and was already and he's like already serving time for a different oh, okay. incident. Yeah, that makes sense. Is a theory, but no one no one knows. Is there yet. more than that? Is there more than one theory? Uh, I don't know. I I was wondering if like he could be dead. Could have moved out Maybe, of state. Could be dead. Well, if he was out of state, he'd still be to the public, don't you think? Not if there's no public around. Like if he moves to somewhere that's just like a rural area that no one <laughs> else is around. Just move to the woods to be with like Sasquatch. I think that's called Montana. <laughs> Um, so since it started in 2018, the uh, Conviction Review Unit has received 250 petitions, and Robert was the 20th person to be exonerated. So since 2018, so we're two years out, they have exonerated 20 people who were wrongly convicted. That's not bad, but I'm pretty sure that whole process is a little hard. Just yeah. because it's like you got to go back in time and you got to make sure all the stuff was done correctly. And the thing that seems a little off to me is like, why wouldn't the rape kit be used in the trial? That that doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I wonder if it was because of the DNA piece that they just didn't even bring it in. But like, still common I hear you. common sense. But I yeah. mean, I guess it's Florida, so. <laughs> um, so similar units have been launched in prosecutors' offices throughout the country. Uh, in total leading to, in 28 alone, 165 exonerations. So in 2018, 165 people were exonerated. Cool. That's a good number. Yeah, it's just, but it's also like, I don't know, it's just sad to think that like 165 people were in jail for who knows how long. Like Robert was in for almost 37 years. How long were they in there? Well, hopefully not 37 years. <laughs> you hope not. You know, um, you really do, because if it's a lot less, I mean, it it sucks. I, I there's could, like no but though, babe. It's like 
Yeah, it just sucks, really, period. Yeah, it, I was I was going to go with something else, and then my brain was like, he's probably a little alone. <laughs> uh, so this is to address that last piece you mentioned. Um, currently now, it, and I don't have information on what the policy was at the time, but in present day, the Hillsborough uh, clerk of court has a policy that evidence has to be retained until the defendant dies. That's smart. Yeah, so hopefully this doesn't happen again. I wonder how much storage they have, though. You gotta think of how many cr- cr- criminals they have. I mean, mm-hmm. they gotta have a lot of storage. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that too. Like, it just makes me think of like on the drive home today. I was looking at that storage place off to the right mm-hmm. on Forty, and I was just like, "Wow, that's a lot of space." And now <laughs> I'm just thinking, "That's not a lot of space." Police probably have a lot more. Yeah. And you just don't know about it. Um. So yeah, that's my story. What did you think? Uh, I think it it's unfortunate for that guy. Mm-hmm. But, hey, I'm glad he's out. I mean, I don't know who his next of kin is, or did he even have kids, or was, are his um, parents still alive? His parents picked, I believe it was his parents that picked him up outside. Man, that's gotta suck. Yeah. I mean, you probably get to go to Denny's or something for a Grand Slam afterwards. But... <laughs> I hope more than that. Well, yeah, but, I mean, he was, what, 20? 18. He was 18. At the time when he was uh, charged, yeah. Jeez. So he basically had, and he's, how old now? 55. I believe. He missed all the good years. Mm-hmm. He's not. He's going to have to like... Well, I, I will say, and I don't have it in front of me, but there were a few things where he's really um, taking it very happily. Um, he's basically saying he's not going to care about the past and that this is a new start on life for him and um, he's just happy to be out. Like, no sense in... Yeah. I guess my question with that is, how does that work when they get out? Like, if he was wrongly convicted, does that criminal charge when he gets out? Like, you know how criminals, when they get out, they have, um... Like, if they go and get a job at, like, Foot Locker or something. Right, like a record. Right. Does that... Does it... Is it still there for him? That's such a good question. Because if he's wrongly convicted and then he gets the thing, like, overturned, can he still go work at Foot Locker without getting dirty looks from his management? Well... I believe when you're exonerated, it's taking off your uh, record. Yeah. I'm going to Google it. That's a good idea. Because that would would just bring it to my eyes. If if they also do that, that would be great for that person. Because that way, now, him being 55 and not really having any skills outside of being in prison, it's going to be hard for him in the real world. Yeah. Well, and this is, like, something totally separate when you talk about, like, recruiting and stuff. But, um... Like you're saying, oh, is would would his manager know or something? Right, because um, wouldn't he have to? I would assume it would be like if you need to get a clearance or something, you would have to just like give information on like, oh yeah, I did this when I was eighteen, or like if you go and be a cop, you got to tell them if you've ever drank underage or smoked, and you're just like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, I mean, why, why not? So I found this article from the New York Times. Um, and essentially it says a criminal record, um, or sorry, clearing a criminal record can take years and cost thousands in legal fees, um, but it does differ from state to state, uh, and many must return to court to prove innocence. Um, but if he's already been exonerated, I mean, I'm honestly not too sure I can See, that just seems so extra. Like, if he's... Gotta love this judicial system. Yeah. But, hey, good for him. I mean, I guess the next step would be, like, get a dog. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, think about it. He's He probably has PTSD, and that dog will help him. Like, calm him down when he gets into, like, when he flares up into a prison episode, so that way he doesn't shank oh his gosh, mother. Oh my gosh, What? It could happen. 
It could happen. Seriously, it could happen. I think the next step would be, like, get a dog, hang out with family, like, reach out to, hopefully, friends who will want to talk to you after that. I, yeah. But it, it would, it's probably really nice for him to spend time with mom and dad. Yeah. I can't imagine what that's like. It just sounds awful. Hard. Awful, hard, whichever adjective you want to use for it. Well, let's hope that you never end up in a similar situation. I'm a pretty decent dude. I don't think I will. <laughs> so you say. Well, these words hurt. <laughs> um, all right, yeah. So that concludes today's episode of Committed to Crime. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Connect with us on Instagram at Committed to Crime Pod or email us at Committed to Crime Pod at gmail.com. We'll see you next week with a brand new episode. All right, bye guys. <laughs>